start now. Even if you, I ask you, I ask Michelle, I ask anybody around me, if you had your life again, what would you change? I'd say I would have started property investing sooner. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. So we're back with another episode of She Renovates and today I have a very special guest in Prue Muirhead. Now I've got quite a lengthy intro to Prue and I'm going to read it all out because some of it is absolutely hilarious. So (laughs) and we'll give you a an idea of the rock star that Prue is. So she's a mother of two and Australian Property Investor of the Year winner. Prue proudly holds a significant profile within the media and property investment industry. So Prue writes regular investment articles for national property investment magazines, newspapers, TV and podcasts. And she also lectured in property investment and property management at TAFE South Australia for 10 years. Prue and her husband, Andy, hold a large positive cash flow portfolio and now run their own property management business, Muirhead Property Management, and have a complete understanding of how property can change your life. Now, some crazy things Prue's done, and this is the hilarious bit, pinched a good-looking guy's backside to get his attention at 18 and have now been married to that good-looking guy, Andy, for over 20 years. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit of a, yes, wild girl, Prue. She was a disc jockey and MC for 15 years. She made an unconditional cash contract on a commercial building and then could not get finance. Ouch. I think I have a similar story, Prue. And she entered a national competition for Property Investor of the Year in 2010 and won. And to have fun, Prue loves to watch her children play sport and socialise, watch movies and going to the gym because she knows that's the right thing to say. Favourite books, Princess by Jean Sasson and Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Favourite movies, Grease, Ghost and Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, two things just to unpack that a bit. So you would be very sad to learn of Olivia Newton-John's passing. I think we watched Grease the other night and I was surprised how old it is. Like at the time when it came out, it was amazing. Have you watched it again recently, Prue? Yeah, actually on Stan has a, a no, on that same time you were watching Grease Live, we actually flicked to Stan. They have a mini series of two episodes, a TV series, and Delta Goodrum played Olivia. So oh. we actually flicked onto that. I'd never seen it and I'd wanted to see it. And of course, it prompted. Us, Andy and I sat down and watched that the other night and that was fascinating. I forgot I knew so much about her, but ultimately there were a few things I wasn't, I hadn't known. So it was just, was really special. Poor love. Yeah. 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 She wasn't old enough, was she, to go? No. No. So, Prue, welcome. And I would love to have your sort of abridged view of who you are. Okay. I think I'm a mother of two and I just adore my kids. We, I guess property has only really kicked in because we nearly lost everything. And so back against the wall, had to make some good decisions and I knew you could borrow money for property. So we ultimately went down that track. And because of property, then we 
packed up. I was a disc jockey, as you mentioned, sold the business really just for equipment value because people don't buy entertainment companies, sadly, and traveled Australia for a couple of years. Who am I? I really love my kids. <laughs> I'm sure we all do, you know. Property, I do like the game of Monopoly and I do like numbers. I play the saxophone, the piano, I sing and dance. I'm the first one on the dance floor. So that's pretty much me into wow. a tea. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so we're going to go a few different ways with this. So let's start with this question. What's the scariest thing that you've had in property? So you mentioned that you nearly lost your property. Do you want to go into that story? Oh, absolutely. So I'm currently sitting in a home that Andy and I bought in our early 20s. Um, I went to buy our very first investment property knowing that our DJ business was not, probably wasn't setting us up. Because we're working for ourselves, we couldn't put it, you know, there was no money going to super. So I gathered that we'd be on the pension when we retired. And so I went to the bank to borrow some money to buy my first investment property in 2006 and they said that you can't even afford your own home which is the one I thankfully sit in today still and they actually said to us that we had 30 days because they knew too much because obviously when we got the loan initially I was a secretary and Andy I think was in the Air Force and so that was easy we had double income no kids at this stage when I went in 2006 I had a four and a six-year-old so ultimately we were a little young family and Andy was working the same business as me by then. And so they just said no. So they knew too much because I gave them our finances because it was one of the big four and there was no way out except they said, you're going to have to sell up or move out and rent it. So we looked at moving into a caravan and that was pretty much our decision because I knew not to let go our principal place of residence. The only thing we had of any kind of benefit was the house we were living in. So, and it's ironic how life works. And I think most things work if you listen for it. Radio was on and there was this company called Resi Home Loans who were advertising. If you're having trouble getting money, call us. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, get in trouble getting money, let's call them. And so I called them and they had something that was called a low-doc loan, which basically is a self-certificate. I know you know what I'm talking about, but just for your listeners, a self-certified yeah. loan where you can sign a piece of paper to say, yes, I earn a lot more money than we did. So I signed a piece of paper to say I earned a lot more money than we did. And then they were good enough to give us equity out of our out of this principal place of residence I sit in now. And they released, oh, it was probably about $150,000. So I was able to start paying the loan from itself, from the, yep. print, you know, basically taking the equity out to pay the repayments. And I decided to start buying properties. So the best part about properties, I'd read a few books, Jan Summers, Margaret Lomez, Rob, Robert Kiyosaki. So I was already sort of starting to think outside the box. And I'd heard about this thing called positive geared cash flow property. I knew. We couldn't afford to have negative geared houses, which are houses that cost us money to hold. We needed to have positive geared properties that put money in our pocket at least, neutrally. And so I started to buy houses that would at least pay for themselves immediately. And then four years later was when I won Property Investor of the Year with 14 properties. Wow. So it happened really quickly. I look back now and it happened, it looks like it happened really quickly, but it was honestly just because back was against the wall and I needed to make some clever decisions. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. I know. And then that's catapulted me into teaching at TAFE SA in property investing and property management and teaching people how to self-manage their houses and how to look out for a good property manager. And then from that's how 
the students were sort of saying, I'm sick of my property manager, will you do it? And I'm going, no, no, I'm not interested, not interested in being a property manager. No, no, no. Because I was self-managing a four or five we had that we owned personally close to home. But that's actually how I ended up starting it, just to help the students. Yeah. And wow. that was eight years ago. Yeah. That's amazing. And just before we go on, I'm noticing we've got a high quality audience here today. So Michelle's come in and said, we love your family first. It's very definitely very oh. awesome with our values and also we've got Jane Isles Bennett from Brisbane on saying hi so hi Jane lovely to see you so for anyone else that's watching if you want to make a comment we'd love to hear from you or if you've got a question to ask Prue if you just provide StreamYard with permission to show your name it's always much nicer if we can talk to a person rather than hey you but yeah so that's a really awesome story so and it answers the question around what how you got started in your current business so I guess the question that comes to mind then I'm sorry this is an out of the blue one is no it's fine do what you did to do you and your partner or your husband Andy would have to have been very aligned in your what you're trying to achieve is that something that you did together or is it that your department and he does something else yeah, so Andy's always been amazing support. So I think he's just always trusted me. I My parents were real estate agents. So yes, I had a little bit more of that alignment. Yeah, uh, And so I knew I probably started at a different level than someone that doesn't have real estate parents. They certainly didn't help me. In fact, I remember my mum, when I went to buy a couple of semis out north of Adelaide, she said, what on earth are you buying there for? They're like, so, I mean, if I listened to them all the time and my dad would have never gone into the debt that we have or I did, but ultimately it's just a new world. I think we just had, I just had to tread our own path. Dear Andy's been the most amazing husband. I remember once I just sort of used to say, could you just sign here? And he said, what have you done now? I said, I've just bought a little block of units. <laughs> he's been just the most supportive husband, but now he's completely in it like I am. But to start with those first four years, he was just totally trustworthy of me, completely trustworthy. So I've got to give him absolute merit for that because a lot of men wouldn't allow their wife to just do this. I know there's a few of them on your site now that probably have had the same experience as me, but I have found, because I went through a short period of time where I was mentoring people and I used to find if you didn't meet the husband and the wife, usually you'd help one of them and they'd go out so excited, oh my God, I'm going to do this, which I don't mentor anymore, by the way. I don't do that. That's why I started property management to hold people's hand that way. But ultimately, they'd go home, tell their partner, they'd sort of put a dampener on it. The parents put a dampener. I just don't listen to other people. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. And I sort of just wanted to sort of flesh that out a bit because I, like you, am lucky that I have a husband that's fully supportive of what I do. And Michelle and I both work with women that don't have that. And it really yeah. creates a need for what we do because it's a tough gig. On, you just can't do it on your own, I'm afraid. Right. But I've read a lot of stuff around this and it is said, and I firmly believe this, that the best predictor of how successful you'll be in life is the partner you choose. Because, um, you know, and it's it's like anything, if your person that's closest to you is really down on everything you do, it erodes your confidence. And so when you've got someone that trusts you implicitly and is with you for the ride, like because there are ups and downs, that is a huge advantage in terms of getting to where you want to go. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, bless Andy; he's just been amazing, and he's quite he's into it as much as I am now because he's sort of yeah. got the same. He's on the same wave completely, and he went off and got his builder's license, and we had all these dreams, and then he hurt his back, so he never <laughs> never ended up being able to practice in it. So he now works in our property management business, so he does all the maintenance and the routine inspections and things. So. I guess yeah. our landlords are pretty lucky to have him as their property manager. So, Absolutely. yeah, and me. Yeah, there's two of us that do it. And our son, Benson. Beautiful. Our beautiful Benson. Yeah. So how old's Benson? So Benny's 22. He bought his first investment property about a year ago and he's been with us for four years and he's fully qualified and he loves it. So he's our sort of our future, oh, I guess our future way out, I guess. He'll just yeah. sort of keep the Muirhead name going and, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's funny though. I'm sort of somebody that I'm really into this. No matter what I do, I'm going to be property orientated till the day I die. I just love, like I go out and appraise houses and I go, oh my God, I love what you've done. I'm like, oh, how, that's just, that's a great idea. Oh, have you thought about this? I just love it. And I know people would say that and they try and mean it. I actually mean it. Yeah. Like I really mean it. I just love seeing what people have done. And I said, wow, that would have given you at least 40,000 equity. Put a door up there and make another 20 grand. Like this sort of stuff is just me. And because, of course, I also taught at TAFE property renovations as well. So, and that's how I was able to create positive geared properties by all different, each property was for a different reason. And what I did and how I yeah. did it was for a different reason because they're not all the same. They're not a cookie cutter for me. Yeah. Uh, they're all completely different, but it's been really fun ride. Yeah. Really, really enjoy it. Yeah. So can we just go back to your mentoring? And I just wanted to explore that a bit in terms of women that don't have that support. Did you find that a mentor was sufficient for them to be able to get going or? I found that when I was mentoring, which was only a short time, so we sold the entertainment business because Andy joined me in that. So I started off as a DJ and it just got a bit big, so Andy left the police force and joined me. And that's obviously when our numbers went right down and the bank wouldn't let us borrow money for the first investment property. And so as far as when I then I won Property Investor of the Year, then we travelled Australia for two years in the caravan. But because I won Property Investor of the Year, I had people because it was Australian achievement, so to speak. And so I was contacted by people all around Australia. So when we were travelling around Australia, I was mentoring people and people were ringing in and getting my help and stuff. But what I found was I was very frustrated because although I've only got one way, my way is not necessarily the right way for everyone. There's plenty of ways to load a dishwasher, right? So there's plenty of ways to make money in property. And my way is one way. And so I'd get someone, I'd meet one person one-on-one and they get really excited and then they wouldn't do anything with it. And that's okay for them. But I just felt that I was better to deal with people as a property manager because I basically grab their hand and I'm yeah. with them, you know, yeah. and I can see what they're doing and I'll give them my thoughts because and then I don't need the correct licensing so I completely backed out of any kind of mentoring I did that for about a year or two and although that was fun I just felt that I wasn't utilized as much as what I could be whereas if somebody's already made the commitment to buy a house and I'm standing next to them when I know they're on the same path as me or they're heading that way anyway rather than just a lot of people dream yeah absolutely yeah I don't jump off the cliff And although that's perhaps I've done that myself at times, I don't know, but I really am a, it's not can I, it's how can I. I know i got to get to that point over there. Okay, how am I going to do it? 
rather than can I do it? I'm going to do it. I just have to work my way around it. Yeah. Yeah, we have a similar frustration. Like I worry, I don't like people coming into the program and not taking action because I just feel like it's a waste of their money and it's just not satisfying for either of us. But Michelle and I have people come into the program that have done every course under the sun and haven't actually been able to get going. But because we are able to give them like close mentoring and a relationship so that they can come back and ask questions and we chase them up if they're like we're just doing quarterly strategy calls at the moment, we're getting exponential results. Like it's just amazing and I'm just loving it. And so, yeah, so I think it's okay for them to do lots of courses as long as the last one is with us. Yeah, and I think you, I have noticed the nurturing that you do. I've obviously watched a few podcasts before today and things and I've noticed and I know Michelle as well. So I can sort of see the nurturing in the way you support people and I think that's the difference. And see, I was more like an accountant. People would come to me, pay for my time and then leave and there was another one where they could pay for my time for three months and people got more out of that one. The downside, I had 10 on the go at one stage but the thing was that I felt a little bit too owned So after being a DJ and then traveling Australia, I sort of find it, it's a little bit easier. I think I've, I feel like I've found my patch now. So, but I can see why it works for you. You have a different strategy. You hung in there longer. It was just something that I thought, oh, people are asking, maybe I should say yes. So I was sort of probably a little less prepared for what was going to be happening. And the other thing is that, like I said, there's plenty of ways to load a dishwasher. So there's plenty of ways to make money in property. And so most of the people I was meeting had a decent income. So it, it didn't make sense to me. Every twenty, thirty thousand dollars I've got in equity can buy them a hundred thousand dollar worth of property. So if they got you sort of get it. And so ultimately, because each property, because we've never saved any money, we've always used each property as a bank account and gone back, got the equity out to get the deposit for another one. So none more than this one I'm sitting in <laughs> again. Our own home. So well, yeah. we're exactly the same. Our own home has been a big pool of money to fund lots and lots of projects and so I get a bit cranky with Robert Kiyosaki when he says that your family home's not an asset because particularly I think for women our family home is the jewel in our crown and I think that if you look on it as an asset and what you can do with what the increased value that you add to it then it most certainly is an asset. But anyhow. 100%. Yeah, no, I totally see 100% because it certainly was an asset to build our wealth now too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that's good. So let's talk about property management because that's your expertise now. I am really take my hat off to you because I think <laughs> property management is a thankless task. And Yeah. And so I I guess what I would like to ask you is what makes a good landlord? Oh, good landlord rather than property manager. Okay, a a good landlord, uh, probably fairly fortunate in this because I have so many of my students and most people come in because of my profile so they trust my decisions. Uh, A good landlord is probably just trusting us. Because there, there are a few and there are always some. So I'd say the less experienced you are, the more the landlord would stick their nose in. 
Yeah. And so the harder that would be is really when they don't trust you. So they want to know everything. And that's okay because there's portals for people to log into. But I would say probably just accepting whatever the property manager believes is right for you. But then you have to have found the right property manager to do that. Because if you are trusting someone that's only young and they don't even own their own property and been there for five minutes. Yeah. Because I did read an article once that property management's usually the life of a property manager is only nine months on mm. average. So mm. that's not even a full lease. So the person mm. you list with at the beginning is not the one at the end. So it can be quite difficult to find someone with experience. But as soon as you've found one, hold on to them with two hands because it is a thankless. We are the meat and the sandwich. And more so with other people, when you're not the owner of the business, you are not only dealing between the landlord, the tenant, you've also got the boss telling you to take on more and more properties and a lot of the time, these poor young girls are looking after 200 properties. I mean, thankfully, once again, we only look after 180 and there's three of us. So there's 60 per head. So you can sort of see the difference. But it's really important for landlords to just find out how many properties their property manager is looking after and talk to the person that is going to be managing their home. Because prior to this, in another life for about 18 months, I worked for a big company that you would have all heard of before. They're all the way around Australia. And my job was to, I was working for property management. And so my job was to go into houses, appraise them. People say, oh, that girl knows what she's, that prune you had, she knows what she's talking about. They list with me and then I flick to property management and I had nothing more to do with them. So sadly, there is this salesperson at the front that is usually more mature, that knows a lot more. And quite often their job is not to manage your property, it is to flick. And I found that awkward because I felt that what I was hoping would happen wouldn't always happen. So that's really one of the reasons I pulled away and yeah. then thought, oh, let's just start it myself. I'll just look after 60 properties on my own and then it got a bit bigger. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming that's viable because I've always wondered about how they stay viable because the margins are pretty low, aren't they? Well, they can be. South Australia, our rents are lower. So our average management fee is 8.8 in Adelaide. Okay. Yeah, so 7.7 so to 9.9 is very normal in South Australia. There was, I know that in Victoria, because I've got properties in Victoria too, it's considerably lower. Yeah. And I think it's more like 5.5 to 7.7 maybe. I'm just having a guess at that. But each state is different and we're all under different legislation. Each state has different legislation. And so I'm fully aware that it's much easier on landlords in South Australia than it is in Victoria because right now I'm having to put in air conditioners and all sorts into properties that we own in Victoria because the legislation's all changed over there and the ruling. And you don't even call people tenants anymore. You call them renters over there. Oh, yeah. And so generally it's awkward to compare state by state with the management fees because it is bound by what sort of price. Our median house rent was sort of about $400 while yours in Sydney was probably eight. So you can see why it's all horses for courses. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what tips can you give our students who are landlords on how to maximise their rental properties? Oh, I like this one. Because this is about, this is kind of like making positive gear properties. I love this one. So I wrote down a few things here, which is very simple. Allow pets. Yes. Now, 70% of the market have pets. Kids do more damage generally than pets. And I definitely would say pets because you get an extra 5 to $20 extra a week in rent because it's all about supply and demand. So if you've got a big, you've got a house that a lot of people want to live in, of course, your rent's going to go up. 
So pets is one of those things that you really need to consider. Obviously, paint and carpet, we all know about paint and carpet. That's a really good bang for your buck. And make sure that the property manager pushes the fact that it is freshly painted and new carpet because if they just use their old script, which a lot of the lazy ones will, just make sure you read the script that they've done. It's really important they put that forward because who doesn't want to walk on carpet that no one else has? And tenants are no different to us. They're just lovely people. They're just perhaps probably the only difference between them and us, they haven't been able to find a deposit. That's really the only difference. The other thing is if you've got a swimming pool or something that's very or near the beach, try and have your lease come up in summer. When the sun shines, you'll get more rent. A swimming pool is against you in winter. So, and most every property manager will just put you on a 12 month lease. You do not have to have a 12 month lease. So, all you'd need to do is if I listed one today and it's where are we, August, I'd probably put them on a 15 month lease, which takes them through to November. And the first time, just through to November. And then from then on, 12 months will always be November. You with me? So, it's one time. Just do some thinking for your inexperienced property manager or move to someone else. The other thing and the best one, and this is a bit new to me, is solar panels. Now, unlike when you sell a house, when you sell a house with solar panels, I've spoken to many agents. I don't sell properties, so we're not a sales agency. We just manage properties because that's the value of property, in my opinion, is to buy and hold. Yeah, capital growth. You don't even pay tax on capital growth unless you sell. So just don't sell. Don't pay tax. Use it as a bank account to buy the next. But solar panels are something that you will get extra rent for solar panels. Make sure your property manager puts it forward right at the front because in South Australia, because I'm based in South Australia, but it would be very similar Australia-wide, solar panels will bring you between $20 and $40 extra a week's rent. Wow. And I know I'm putting solar panels on a couple of properties for our landlords right now, and it looks like they're going to come in at about $3,500. Now, you are going to get between one and $2,000 a year extra rent. So that's anything up to 50% returns on your money of your solar panels, which basically means after two years, your tenant has paid off the value of your solar panels. And from that point on, it's money in your pocket. That's remember. Awesome. If you are buying and selling, you won't get any extra money for selling your property with solar panels, apparently. I still beg to differ, but ultimately that's what I'm told by about three different agents. But when you go to rent a house, you get extra rent. Once again, supply and demand, people want solar panels. Whether they're environmentally friendly is probably not the real reason. It's because they want to save some money. And because they want to save money, they're quite happy to pay a little bit more for it. So solar panels is a big one. I suspect that tenants are probably much more sensitive to living costs. And, yeah, so that, that's a brilliant tip, Prue. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I know I've been doing it for a while, but I tell you, it's a massive difference. And, see, that's the thing, and that's why it's um, so good to have someone with expertise, like we're talking about property management now, but in the area because you can think about something and think that's a good idea Like I do a lot in Airbnb and it's been because I've had a lot of Airbnbs, I've got that lived experience. It's the lived experience that really helps you to clarify the decision. And I totally support you on the, like obviously solar panels would make no difference to the guest in Airbnb, but it make a big difference to the owner because often Airbnbs are very power hungry. But Mm. the pet thing, like we have a property 
that's under our house, like, yeah, a level of our house, and we have that on short-term rental and we allow pets. And it meant that we were fully occupied all through COVID because, as you say, everyone has a pet. Well, Mm. almost everyone. And anyone who doesn't have a pet obviously needs an attitude adjustment. (laughs) They're also a little bit more stable as a tenant too because they will also have more trouble finding something else. And the other fact is that pets are stabilising. I mean, I've got a pet. I think most people would be happy for me to live in their house with my husband and our two kids. So it is you are attracting someone that's a little bit more stable if they've got a pet. That's just my opinion. But my statistics are 70% of our tenants have pets. Right. Yeah, that's an excellent tip. Now, what piece of advice would you give to someone starting out in property investing? Start now. I think you'll find even if you I ask you, I ask Michelle, I ask anybody around me what if you had your life again, what would you change? I'd say I would have started property investing sooner. Yeah. Now I think that's the number one thing I absolutely would throw out there. The other one is that my strategy has always been, and I mentioned it before, to buy and hold. The capital growth, I don't know how much capital gains tax I'd be up for if I sold everything, but it would hurt. So I'm much better to just buy and hold. I'm better to own those properties anyway. They're positive geared. So rather than flip, because, of course, you don't stamp duties are once off, and I know it's expensive, but, of course, if you flip, you're going to pay stamp duty over and over again naturally. And But capital gains tax is only payable when you sell. And you can always utilise that, including your future capital gains tax bill if you're going to sell, to buy more properties anyway. So I have always, I've never cross-collateralized. Once again, plenty of ways to empty dishwasher, load a dishwasher. But as far as the properties, I've kept every property as its own loan and then gone back to one. I bought a caravan out of one. That's when we traveled Australia for two years. I took some equity out of another one to spend over those two years. But I'm constantly grabbing equity to buy more property. That does not apply in your self-managed super fund. I'm not an accountant. I'm not an accountant or anything, but I do know I've got a couple in our super fund. And that's a a different baby. You can't necessarily do it there. But when you hit land tax issues or whatever, you can always consider your self-managed super fund as well. So we bought our first in a self-managed super fund and we had less than 100000 in there. So it is, and most accountants will tell me not to do that and you perhaps shouldn't listen to what I just said then. I am a little bit of a calculated risk sort of person, but I just know property better than I know shares. And as far as shares are concerned, I can't borrow very much money to buy shares. I think when you're trying to build your wealth, you do it through property. Once you've got your wealth, perhaps you want to flip the shares, whatever, keep it in property, whatever. But while you're building or you can use the bank's money, that is the best way, in my opinion, especially if you can turn around and make it neutrally geared or positive geared, yes. Well, look, I'm just thinking tick, tick, tick. I totally <laughs> Like we do in my life, I have done what, like a lot of flipping and just recently I wrote something about the why flipping is a bad idea. Like some people have to because they've got to replace an income, but we really encourage them as soon as they get that income replaced to go to more of a two-speed two strategy where they continue with the flipping on one side and then on the other side be using the profit from that to go and buy long-term holds so best of both worlds but one of our wonder women sent me an email and she calculated out 
how much wealth she would have if she never sold anything. And I'm yeah, that's scary. It was a, an eye-watering amount and I just said, I'm not willing to do that because I know that it won't be good yeah, for me. But anyhow, when you know better, you do better and that's the thing that I like to fall back on. The Yeah, so the other thing I want to just quickly spend a little bit of time on, I know we're running out of time, is around... Like I'm a great believer in the ripple effect in terms of, and you've articulated that that's been your experience too, that what you do as a family, the benefits filter out to, as a person, filter out to your family and the people that you love. And I noticed that you are now, well, you've mentioned that you're now talking or working with Benson, your son. What has been your experience of the ripple effect? Because obviously you've been a very active and successful investor and business owner. So what has been your experience of the ripple effect? Yeah, well, it's interesting. So both my children own homes. Um, so they're 24 and 22. So I think Casey bought hers at a young age. See, I was 19 when I bought my first and sold it when I was 24. And it was positive geared by about $165 away. All those things that you, it's that same thing like you, <laughs> you, you do it once, you go, oh, it's the one thing that I would say I wish I still had was that very first house we bought in the southern suburbs or I bought because I was 19. I didn't know any better. And I sold it because I didn't want to deal with the tenants. How weird is that? Now I'm a property manager. I think that's the, but I'm just a bit older and mature. As far as our children are concerned, our daughter's already got in 18 months, $180,000 worth of capital growth. So she's ready to buy another one. And she just works in Saipol for the police department. So our son is looking at doing the same. He just loves it. But as far as um, the ripple effect, I did not want Benson. I knew Benny would always follow it. Benny's very similar to me. Our daughter's very similar to my husband. So Benny's really gentle and soft and business orientated and good with numbers. And we sort of said to him, because he wanted to join us straight from school. And we said, so he started working at Woolies for four years. He worked for them and we made him work somewhere else full time before he even came to us because I didn't want to see this umbrella effect where he's had no experience in life working for anybody else. We tried to hook our daughter in after she'd worked five years in childcare but she wouldn't have a bar. She said, oh, I don't want to sit behind a desk. So she's now working for the police. And so it's a very, yeah, It's I would love Casey to have joined, but it's just beautiful. This will be the third time I've worked with Andy as well, husband and wife. A lot of people I don't think can do that, but we ran that resort when we were travelling Australia and ran a resort in Victoria in Bright for a little while and that was awesome. And before that, of course, we ran the, Andy left his the police and helped me run the DJ business all those years ago, which we probably should have got out a lot earlier, but it is what it is. We've built this, had 26 staff, beautiful people, but they were 26 headaches. So that's why in this property management business, we vowed and declared we'd never take on staff because it just, this it's just so many new dynamics that you'd have to deal with as soon as you've got people working for you. So we've kept a real lid on our business and not taken on anything outside of an area. Our fees are a percent higher than the average in Adelaide. So it sort of keeps only the people that really want us get us. And then Andy, we save him about $1,000 a year. But we're just a little business. The way your listeners can find a good property manager, just try it. If they can try and stick to a business that is property management only, they're more likely to be focused on because a lot of the property management businesses are run by sales department and the sales are selling houses and that's where the big money is. So that's where their directive is. 
And so you won't get the boss also. You'll usually just get somebody different. The other thing is to ask how many properties they manage as well. So the golden nugget here is if they can manage 100 or less per head or for them personally, they've got a lot more time for you because some owners will push their property managers to look after anything up to 200 properties. How on earth you can help people for 15 minutes a week of your time? Like that's all you get and that's what you're paying for. And so they're probably two crucial things. And just make sure that you meet the property manager, not the BDM, not the business development manager like I was. Now I'm the property manager as well. So it's very straightforward. They've got me, it's me. They're going to deal with me the whole time I'm looking after it. But out there, there are definitely quite a lot of little property management businesses and they will always be your best. Absolutely. And we certainly find that. In fact, a little while ago, I had Penelope Valentine on the podcast and Penelope runs a similar operation to you in Sydney. And same thing, quality, quality service and takes special care of her clients or landlords. And so it's, yeah, it's a, yeah completely am on board with that. So yeah. sounds like we are kindred spirits. Yeah, it does. Sadly, if they, if you do get a bad, if they do choose a bad property manager, it ends up costing them money, the mm. landlord money. Absolutely. Because the wrong decisions are made, things are overlooked, and you as a landlord will always be the one that pays. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, listen, Prue, thank you. You've been incredibly generous. And what I want to do is say, to ask you if if someone listening to this would like to get in touch with you, what reason would that be to have their property managed? Would that be? Well, you, you can reach out to me, you can Google my name or you can get to me through Facebook. I'm a pretty easy name to find. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm very happy. I get regular long emails from random people just saying, oh, I read this in the article and I was reaching out to you because I'm a mum and I've got kids and I've got no money and I don't know where to start. I get those random sort of emails quite regularly right. and it's okay it's okay but yeah if someone wants a really good property manager and you've got some properties in Adelaide of course love to hear from them no problems we and do have to be a bit careful how many we can take that's all because we don't want any more staff so I don't take everything which is yeah. really bad isn't it but no yeah. absolutely not that's the sign of a quality service because yeah. your product your properties are your product yeah yeah, so you need to, yeah, no, I think that's good and I think it gives landlords something to strive for. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, like, like I said, I just love watching people make money. And on that buying and keeping and capital gains tax and things, there are a handful of, because I was teaching in TAFE for so long I, in property investing, of course, I dealt with a lot of big developers and, you know, all sorts of wonderful people with fantastic stories. And there's definitely been quite a few of them that would build four, say, townhouses on a block and they'll sell two off to hold the other two. And so once again, it's horses for courses and they've been very successful that way. And then they just keep one or two in that group and one or two in that group. And that's working for them too. So I'm not completely against. In fact, I sold one only six months ago, but it was in the wrong entity. I renovated, spent 16000 on it to renovate it and sold it for $160,000 more. So, I mean, you can't do that with your bank account. You can't do that through wages. Yeah, absolutely not. And your website? Oh, yeah, muleheadpropertymanagement.com.au. You'll find me. And all my email and contact phone numbers there. 
Thank you. Well, listen, I'm going to declare this episode complete. So thank you special guest. So, Mikey, you can flick off the switch. Thank you. Bye. If you want to meet up with a group of savvy renovating, I shouldn't say it's all women because it's not, savvy renovators, I'll say, come over and join She Renovates. It's completely free Facebook group and it is growing at the rate of knots. We hit a thousand members just recently and now it seems to have picked up momentum. And so they are all savvy renovating women and men that are working their little hearts out to live a better life through renovating. Join if you're not already a member and then ask, comment and do whatever you would like to do in order to further your renovation journey. And that's it for me today. So I'll see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.